Tulsa's number one podcast. Showtime, baby. It's Castro X to Titty Tia, Eyes Open, dubbed the home of the emotionally naked. A podcast about anything and everything. If you don't like it, with all due respect, fuck you. Fuck you, nigga. I'm about to lasso, Castro the asshole, turn him into mincemeat, for ramen casserole, feed it to a thick booty bad bitch, she'll fucking kill me if I try to feed a cabbage, pussy fried catfish, I'ma hit them boys with Mandalorian hat tricks, I ain't never had shit, till I turn to rapping, for rapper the rapper, Kappa Lambda, I'm on some fresh shit, packing on packers damage, stamming on stacking damage, acting out like an asses, if you move it against me, it's like my last, you should've taken Get some classes, uh-huh Baby, what is he rapping? If you couldn't hack it, then maybe you should trash it I'ma serve it like a delivery package Misery's a habit in the latest fashion She likes to pull up in the fastest Hoop me with the black tip We get it cracking, she releasing the dragon Hold up, fire breathing I am not a heathen I am just a lion crushing everything he's saying Heat seeking, miss a lunch with a beacon With all due respect, fuck you for even speaking, ho Yo, 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 it's your man Castro X Coming at y'all live and direct With the With All Due Respect podcast Ladies and gentlemen, I got a very special guest in the building with me today Y'all may know his voice from behind the scenes, man This is, you know what I mean, the cameraman the With All Due Respect He's the one that's been helping me uh, get these videos up and running and everything, man uh, My man is also working on many other projects My man is doing uh, a mini doc series right now Called uh, Tulsa Made Made, made, in, made Tulsa. in Tulsa You know what I'm saying? Uh... My man's a photographer. He's filmed many comedy shows. He does a lot of work out here. Uh, Ex-musician. Uh, got some wonderful story to tell. Uh, becoming a good friend of mine. We spend a lot of time together as of late, man. Yes, sir. Which is really dope. Uh, first time I met this man was actually at uh, Comedy Night, Bar 46. A lot of things translate back to Bar 46 for me, man. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in the motherfucking building, Kevin the God, Kevin Douglas himself, man. What's good? How you doing, brother? Good, man. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're finally here. Uh, we've been supposed to sit down for a little bit. You know what I been mean? Been talking about it? Yeah. True indeed. True indeed. Uh, like I said, the first time I met you was at a comedy night. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a wild <laughs> an ride. An interesting show, yeah. So comedy nights were special for me because those were the first time. I got to uh, try to do the live podcast thing, right? Where I go on stage and I talk my shit sure. with an audience. You That's know a whole mean? different vibe. Right. So shout out to the dude to put that on for that. But it was a different experience for you. Did Michael put that on? No. Oh, I thought. That man put it on. Uh, it was oh, like Zane. Zane Trayfield. We'll just drop it. Yeah, I mean, Zane Trayfield put it on. It was the night we met. Uh, that was supposed to be his comedy special. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Uh, First he, he had off, hired me. That's why I was there. True indeed. First off, I don't want to drop any shit. Nah, so no, gonna... I don't want to talk about it. Nah, we don't it, it was crazy. To... And, it was a uh, wild night, man. Do you some people have some mental health issues mm. that they need to address. And true indeed, true indeed. That's all we can need to say. Right? Uh, a little bit, man. Let's get into it, actually, man, since you brought that up, man. Mental health issues and things mm-hmm. like that. This is something I feel you have the ability to speak on. Yes. Uh, with got all, experience and uh, education on that. I was a psych major, but I'm also bipolar, and uh, yeah, I grew up with all kinds of anxiety and depression issues, a little bit of PTSD, and mm. 
uh, man, it, yeah. So I see. I had no idea that you had studied it as well. Yeah, that was my major. I wanted to be a teacher, a professor. Okay, I can see that. Teach that stuff. I, I knew I couldn't uh, practice psychology because I'm too empathetic. I'd be taking everybody's problems home with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel stuff too deep. I connect with people. You that's, know. A, that's a tough job to begin with. We, we think about like cops and people who have jobs like that. They have to take that kind of shit home, man. You got to have yeah. that on-off switch. But uh, My big me- brother, is, he's lieutenant in state police. Shout out Philip Douglas, man. Mm. He's a good cop somebody who became a cop for the right reason that fucking that yeah i see it i see it he had a real messed up childhood and and instead of letting that turn him into like a self-destructive twisted mess like most people would if you know what he'd been through abusive in all kinds of ways and just things like that and wondering as a kid you know isn't somebody who's gonna help us where isn't there supposed to be a hero somewhere right and instead of letting that twist him up inside and turn him into a self-destructive mess he he became that guy use it for some positive and there are you know i mean i don't want to when you talk about the police things get real political because of the environment we're in they're like oh you either support the police or you don't um so (laughs) i guess i just need to say i do support police reform Mm -hmm. i don't believe all cops are bad but um there is some systemic uh racism racism built in and it's fucked up things need to change but so that's the thing. We as can long as there's good cops like him trying right. to change things, I think we're moving in the right direction. And that's exactly what it is, man. We could talk about it nail on the head. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's good people and bad people, right? And the bad people Always. fuck it up for everybody. Uh, it's not that I don't support police. I don't support bad police. Right. Police that are out here fucking shit up. You know what I'm saying? And it's a hard thing to clean up internally because that blue bond, you, you got that blue blood those are your brothers. You depend on them in situations. It's life and death. Now, you try going against somebody or getting them in trouble or whatever, they might not show up when you need backup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds fucked up or whatever, but I, I've I've done shots, shoots with uh, the, the SWAT team and stuff. Really? Yes, uh, they, where they're training. Uh, and the state wanted, you know, some, some photos or whatever, whatever, so... I go out there, my cousin is, my, I call him my brother, um, he's my blood cousin, but um, we kind of, my grandma half raised us both, mm-hmm. so he's like my big brother, and we were real close, well, we, we still are, he's a few years older than me, but um, yeah, he, he kind of in charge of like training the SWAT team, him and another guy, and he's the youngest lieutenant in the state police, he's like 37, 38, how old is Philip? Something like that. He's in his 30s, and every, all the other lieutenants are in their 50s. Lieutenant's over the sergeant. Sergeant's over all the detectives. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So he's, he's way up there. It's pretty cool. But, uh... Shit, what was I talking about? You're talking about... <laughs> oh, yeah. I have been in situations where, um... I, I've heard police officers make jokes that I was very uncomfortable about. Things that would get people in trouble if you know, if, if somebody else had heard it. And the way they talk around each other, it was just... I had to leave, like, halfway through right. lunch. I, I, I left. It hit me hard. Like, I, I... Racist jokes. And they were all just fucking laughing about it. And they say the same stupid thing over and over. See, that's, that's what's really unfortunate. I feel like that's one of the things that really made the bad version of the cop, man. As you said, they had that... They had these targets, like, you're storming a... 
uh, house, right? So mm-hmm. they had it, it's outdoors, but they've got um, like the perimeter of it set up. You see that it's not like walls, but it's just like on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. you can see like the blueprint. So they they run inside, and then there's targets you have to take out or whatever. And they would always make the stupid joke because the target is a white background mm-hmm. with a silhouette of a person, and it's in black. And they'd always make, oh, you can't shoot that guy. He's black. <laughs> and right. every time, like, it was funnier than the fucking laughs. And I just, like, it makes it's me feel sick to think, to, like, I'm feeling kind of nauseous. Remembering being in that us. situation, feeling like I can't even say, like, I, I just, it felt uh, disgusting. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what's so unfortunate about it, man. I feel you. You know what I mean? My brother did not hear that shit. They did it behind his back, like when he wasn't around. Right. If if he would have heard that shit, I have no I no doubt that he would have squashed it. I'm my brother wasn't involved in it. Hmm. But behind his back, the, the guys he was training, they were making those kind of jokes. A They've lot. created this mentality of us versus them, which has very much created that for us. You know what I mean? This is why all cops seem bad, is because there's that mentality of you don't like us, you out to get yeah. us. You know what I mean? <laughs> us, a lot of times, not being us, white people, uh, minorities. You know what I mean? It's, it's created that gang feel of, like, you're out to get me, so fuck you. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's, that's really unfortunate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It definitely sucks. And so many people are just so blind to it. They don't want to understand this. Well, you know, they'll see something tragic, and they say something like, well, why didn't they just comply? Right. Whoa, What? I, I'm a recovering heroin addict. I have been strung out and took a swing at a fucking cop and not even gotten tased. Mm. Um, I mean, literally tried to knock this motherfucker on his ass. I I was out of my mind. I was, you know, on heroin. But uh, and who else? Who knows what else? But uh, right. I've been in situation. I've never, you know, been compliant or whatever. And I've never. It's never gotten violent. And and even if it, even if. Even if somebody's not complying to, to like murder that person, that's insane. Mm-hmm. If that, I mean, and, and to that kind of response just, it just shows how much people don't want to address it, I think, or I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's definitely tough, man. There's definitely that. I don't know if it's, how much of it's ignorance and how much of it is willful ignorance. Like, I don't want to, like, you know, I, I'm happy in my bubble. Don't tell me about this. This other, I, I know people who are very much like that. People in my family who are like, I, I don't want to know about the sad right. stuff or the stuff that's wrong in the world. You know what I mean? I, but you can't change it if you don't know anything about Let it. Let me get with you on this, man. Let me get with you on this. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, tell me about your journey, man. Kind of where you come from. Before, because I do want to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? As you said. We haven't uh, really even talked. Talked That's the it, thing yeah. is, you know what I mean? We've known each other for just a little bit and we haven't got to really have a one-on-one. Yep. So tell me about where the fuck you come from first and foremost, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, literally, I come from around here, just sky took a little bit up the way. But, um, I mean, my background, I, I came up as an artist. Uh, initially, it was drawing and, and painting and uh poetry Mm -hmm. and then it became music um it was different kinds of music i started out being a front man in a hardcore band um no while i was bass player in a punk christian punk band was my first gig i did not know how to play bass at all (laughs) had to teach myself and then um 
after that, I started playing guitar because I'm like, man, bass players ain't getting no pussy. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I got to start playing guitar. It's um, all about the front. Still didn't get any pussy, but, you know. <laughs> so um, then I started backup singing with that. And then I was in, we were hardcore at this point, hardcore bands. It's just screaming and, and that's that was my job and you're we don't call it a singer we call it a front man because it's more about the show you put on mm. you're running around you're jumping there's energy if you ever go to a show like that at least there used to be i i don't keep up with the shit I'm, I'm an old man but uh yeah so i come from that background and i always had a lot of depression and anxiety like i said even as a youngster since i was about 14 um, it's when I remember it being an issue, having to go to the doctor, and mm. that's when I started taking medicine for it. Um, and I, uh, I'm about 18, 19, 20 years old, and I start realizing, hey, if I smoke pot, um, it's not the end of the world. Um, so maybe my parents were wrong about other things and, mm. and it's not a gateway drug. It's just the way, you know, I was, I, I don't know. I just, I, mentality, I, the way you thought. yes, I, I, I wanted, it was justification. Mm. Addicts have a way I can justify anything in my mind. I can justify my behavior. It doesn't, I can, I can get myself to think it's okay enough for me to go through with it. So, you know, it's like, I, I wanted to try cocaine. I wanted to try pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something inside me that, you know was lacking you know and I, I was just sad and I was an- depressed and anxious and I I could hide these feelings or mask them with with drugs and then when I was about 20 or 21 I broke my back I broke my one of my vertebrae and um, they said hey yeah you have degenerative disc disease bro and uh, so that's not gonna get any better the discs in between my vertebrae are basically crumbling it's like real bad arthritis so your vertebrae just kind of grind really yeah, my lower back especially. I haven't had an MRI in like a decade, so I don't know what it looks like now. But uh, back then, there were no discs left between my facet joints, the bottom four vertebrae. So um, I started on pain pills, and it was just tramadol. Hmm. Doctors said, okay, this isn't an opiate. This is not addictive. Uh, not true. They didn't know, but it is. Um an opioid comes directly from the poppy plant. An opiate is something that just triggers the same receptors in your brain. It doesn't have to come from the same source. Like Oxycontin, I believe, is an opiate, not an opioid. Um, okay. Things like that. You know, so they, I guess they didn't know, which seems fucking ridiculous. But I did get physically dependent on them. I wouldn't say addicted yet because there is a difference. Addicted is a mentality. You're overcome by it. Mm-hmm. You crave it. Physical dependence is you're not like thinking about it constantly, but you'll get sick if you don't take it. That happens with opiates, with benzodiazepines like Xanax, Clonopin, and Valium, and it happens with alcohol. Those are the three drugs that you can get physically That's addicted de- to. Oh, these are physically addicted. Physically dependent on, yeah. Okay. That your body will get sick well without That's it. dependent. Yes. Physically dependent. And then addicted is like, you're craving it. You got you have it. To have You're it. obsessed with it. Yeah. So there's the difference. But um, I became physically dependent really fast. Hmm. Opiates are like that. Um, and I realized, hey, if I take extra pills, 
I can mask my depression and anxiety. I can go out, have fun, and whatever. But you build a tolerance to opiates so fast, so fast. And before you know it, you're getting, after a couple months, you are getting crazy sick without them. Um, like you can't, you got restless leg syndrome kicking around, you're in cold sweats, nauseous, shaking. Um, that's just the physical stuff, not to mention what you're going through up here psychologically. And I mean, diarrhea, throwing up, you get, it's hard to stay hydrated, you can't eat, you can't drink. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and it happens so fast and you build a tolerance. So the tramadol quickly turned into hydrocodone, like lower tabs, Vicodin. Mm-hmm. How which, old were you at this time? Uh, I think I was 20 or 21 okay. when this happened. And within a year of breaking my back, I was up onto, I had passed up the hydrocodone and um, that wasn't enough anymore. I had moved to Oxy. Moved to taking it. That wasn't enough anymore. I had to snort it. And then eventually I had to start shooting it. And I was terrified of needles. Let me ask you this. How'd you learn to snort it? What, what linked in your head to be like, nah, I have to snort this? Or was it somebody around you that was like, yes. yo, talk to me about that? I can still fucking taste it dripping down the back of my throat. That's crazy. It's been almost 11 years. That, that will never get out of my head. I think Oxy had a deeper hook to me than heroin. Heroin was a necessity at the time. Oxy was too fucking expensive. And heroin did the same thing for a lot cheaper and a lot stronger. Mm. That's how most heroin addicts get at get in it. They can't afford their opiate their pills anymore. Their oxy so they or use whatever. It as a replacement. Yep. Um it's it's stronger opiate and it's cheaper. It's black tar heroin run by the Mexican mafia at the time. I don't know what the deal is now, but uh, it was no secret, you know. That's mm-hmm. who we had to deal with and for sixty dollars you could get a balloon of heroin that would get you through the day. And to to get through the day in that at equivalent of oxycotton, um would have cost mm, twice that easily. Mm. Easily, um, maybe three times that. It, it, when I first started, it was like 50 cents a milligram, but it moved up to at least a dollar a milligram. We were paying $30 for 30 milligrams. Okay. And okay. needed four a day. That's 120 bucks. That would be two balloons of heroin, which is a half gram. That would have lasted me two days easy. I mean, you know, so yeah, about twice as, half, half as expensive. And that's how most people end up like that. Um, so you went from, as you said, taking it to snorting to uh, you going having to shoot. shoot it. And I was terrified of needles. Terrified. I am again. I am now. But what happened is I had to have somebody else hit me with mm-hmm. the Oxycontin. I had to have somebody else hit me the first few times. Just cast your fault again. <laughs> it happens. And um, they... I couldn't even look at it. And then I got to where I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I got to where I liked it. I would have shot up my weed. I would have shot up my Cheerios. I mean, I, I don't, I associated it with that, that release, that rush of, the, of it, it hitting you. As soon as you, yeah, there's that prick or whatever, but then, oh. When you do heroin, I don't, I'm not promoting heroin. Well, of course. But I would get an erection every time I shot up. And the guys, everybody, I, I said, is that weird? Nope. 
There was women who would bust it's nuts. Right? Yes, they would have orgasms. People would bust a nut when they shot up. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it, it got it gets out of hand, and um, trying to kick it, man, is tough. So talk to me about that process. First off, how well, long like were I said, you doing it's it? Physically addictive, and I was between the point of breaking my back and starting the tramadol to that was I was about twenty years old up until the point I quit in two thousand eleven, January, I think I was like twenty three? Twenty yes, I had just turned twenty I turned twenty three in the December before that. So like three years. Wasn't even that long three, maybe four. Say like four years. But um yeah, it, it went quick and uh like I said, it gets so physically addictive and they have drugs that can help you wean off. They use like methadone and suboxone. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the guys I knew just got hooked on the methadone and the suboxone um, and never came off that. They were on that for years. I know guys, they're still on it. And I mean, it's better. I know they're not going to overdose or die, but I mean, they're not making any progress with their life. Um, I unfortunately didn't have that option. I got arrested mm -hmm. and I uh, went to David L. Moss and did a cold turkey. The nurse comes around like once a week and they would have given me something like Suboxone or Methadone. But I guess I got arrested like the same day she comes around. So later that night, you know, I, I come in. She had already been there earlier that day. It's got to be a whole nother week. Um, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. You can't sleep. I mean, uh, and the night before she came was the first night I got some sleep. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little bit better, and I felt like, man, maybe I'm over the worst of this. And she's like, um, okay, so you need some methadone or suboxone? And everything in me was screaming, yeah, fucking take it, take it. You can get high at this point. You'll feel good. This will stop. Mm -hmm. Everything will stop hurting. Uh, but I found something in me that I don't think would have lasted more than it took, more than the time it took me to say it. I don't know where it came from, where it came from, but I said, uh, you know what, I, I think I'm over the worst of it. I just need some sinus medicine. I'm all stuffed up in here. And I decided to ride the rest of it out, cold turkey. And I told my parents not to bail me out. And I was in there for 10 days and worked it all out of my system. It's also, uh, no, no, I, I got off cigarettes and got back on after that, but I mean, kicked them a few years later but uh yeah man it's i did relapse one time but um i ended up overdosing and dying i mean it's not you died i died i they found me in walgreens parking lot blue and not breathing it's fucking uh, crazy. i woke i opened my eyes and i'm on a gurney in the hospital being wheeled down the hall i see the, the fluorescent lights passing as I'm like passing old. under him, and I look look around, and there's uh, some paramedics there, and a nurse or somebody wheeling me, and I said, "What happened?" They said, uh, "You overdosed. We we found you. We think you, you know, we thought you were dead. You weren't breathing. You're blue." Um, I said, "Are you sure? Cause I don't feel high." They said, "Yeah, that's the Narcan." After that wore off, I was fucked up again, but I was. Uh, yeah, I was going through a bad, bad place in my life and going 
going through a divorce and um, I, I was so fucked up in my head that, that when I got out of that hospital, all I could think about is where's the rest of my heroin? I bought a gram of that shit. Um, calling up the dude that helped me get it, the dude that left me for dead, because mm-hmm. we shot up together and then I guess he just left me there. I, I don't know what happened. And um, I got suspicions that it might have had some fentanyl in it because when I was actively using, that wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. At least not that we knew of. Um, and then in the time since I had gotten sober, that had become a thing. People were dying of fentanyl overdoses. Everything, all this shit was laced with fentanyl. And I had only, I did a quarter balloon. It's a balloon's a quarter gram. This was a quarter of that. So you know, it wasn't much. It, but it should not have rocked me like that. It mm-hmm. should not have killed me. So I wouldn't doubt it if there was some fentanyl in there and stuff. But yeah, man, that was. I got arrested about three o'clock in the morning on January sixth, two thousand eleven. So it's been almost eleven years coming up. You know, in January. Um. Minus a relapse or whatever, but I don't really count that. I figure I I died. I got to. I'm cool. You know. I mean. He I said it. I passed. learned my lesson. It don't matter no more. <laughs> Let me ask you this, man, because that's amazing. Uh, that's absolutely impressive. The fact that you've been uh, sober for ten and a half years almost. You know what I mean? Ten uh, and three quarters. Ten and three quarters. <laughs> uh, I'm this many. This <laughs> many. Uh, man, what is it in your mind that keeps you going now? That keeps oh, you sober, man. Because it blows my mind That's how tough. a human can do that. Because I know that shit is tough to kick. Uh, yeah, the the uh, success rate for addicts is something like um, between five and six percent, I think, mm. of heroin addicts getting clean. Five and six percent. Every hundred people, every hundred addicts. That is insane. There's five of us that make it out. Don't end you up wanna. in prison or dead. Yeah, luckily, I had about a dozen buddies. Drug buddies, mm-hmm. real friends, but you know, drug buddies, people you hung out with when you did drugs. And you can uh, explain that a little bit. I'm sure ten of them it. are dead. Mm. One of them is in prison for the foreseeable future. Uh, one of them is quote unquote clean, but he's on methadone. Like I said, he's got to go to the clinic every morning at the crack of dawn get his. Get his juice. That sucks. Yeah. It, it does. And I don't know if he'll ever get out of that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's no doubt. But I'd like to be open about it because it's a big part of who I am, first of all. Mm-hmm. it's I like who I am and all of what I've done. Yeah, I've done some fucked up stuff that I regret. Stealing, lying, things like that. But... Everything I've been through has made me who I am today. I like that person. I'd like to continue to grow with that person. Um, and sharing my story has helped other people who feel helpless, feel like they can't do it or whatever. And mm-hmm. they've, they've reached out. And there's been five or six people, I'm not going to say any names obviously, but five or six people I've helped get clean. Most, most of them off Oxy. And I'm really proud of that. And that's, that's, I think you should be, man. That's, that's incredible. Lives that have been changed because I was willing to talk about what I've been through, just share my story. That's all I really had to do is be open, 
and stay open to people reaching out to me. Reach out and accept it when they reach back, communicate, um, tell them my story, and, and I don't. I guess that inspires them. It gives them that spark of hope. Maybe I can do this. You, you're asking me what keeps me going, what mm-hmm. inspires me to stay sober. That's a tough question, dude. And I'm trying to be brutally honest through all this. I'm trying to sugarcoat it. You know, when I talk about like how good heroin is. I mean, yeah, it feels good. I'm not going to lie about that mm-hmm. shit. <sighs> Nobody will tell you this. Nobody told me this. Keep One of the hardest parts about staying sober is boring as fuck. So I've heard this. I've heard this. I've dated a couple addicts, man. When you're slamming that uh, pleasure sensor, sent pleasure center of your brain with a sledgehammer five times a day, and then you stop, um, there's something called anhedonia, which it, it translates from, I think, the Greek lack of joy. Maybe it's Latin. I don't know. But it, it literally means lack of joy. And your brain stops producing those chemicals on its own. Because, I mean, you, you had the heroin doing it for you. And it can last six months. In rare cases, it can last forever. Mm. I don't think my brain has ever rewired correctly yet. Um, it might, but uh, I'm working on it. But yeah, that's one of the... Boredom is one of the biggest things because you have to, in order to stay sober, you have to change. You can't hang out with the same people anymore because they're all using stuff. Right. Uh, or their triggers, they were enabling. You can't hang out with them. The same places, they're all triggers. Um, you got to find all new things to do, and nothing hits that pleasure center in your brain like that heroin did, or that cocaine, or that meth. Nothing. Nothing's going to compete with that. Um, and that's that's the problem, because it's not a sustainable feeling. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. You hear about oh, functional alcoholics or whatever. There are not many functional heroin addicts, not for long. You can hold it together for a little bit, and if, if you got money and stuff like that, but uh, no, not really. Everybody, it, it can't last. I mean, I've never seen it happen. But um, one of the best things for me is family. Mm. I've gotten really close to my family. That keeps me going, my mom especially. <clears throat> um, I've gotten real close to her since I've gotten sober. And... Um, you know, I do have legitimate issues with pain and stuff like that. When I had to start taking the pain pills, that's how it all got started. Like I said, I got the degenerative disc disease and things like that. And, um, I mean, cannabis uh, helps me with the pain, helps me with my depression, anxiety, insomnia, um, all of that. I used to be anorexic. That's a whole other thing. But, um, yeah, so that helps a lot a lot. Uh, my niece, my baby niece, I guess it's part of my family thing, but yeah, that she for the last two years, that's been my main thing. And uh, yeah, just, I spent a long time not having anything. Like, why should I stay here? And a lot of times I get into that headspace still. Why should I keep going? Why should I stay sober? Why should I even stay alive? I get like suicidal, kind of depressed, you know? Mm-hmm. And... The only answer I've been able to come up with is, yeah, maybe there's nothing worth it right now, but there might be someday. Facts. And you won't find out if you end it. Mm-hmm. There might be. So that's been enough for me, I guess, so far. It's a decade or so. Man, well, I want to say, 
first off, like I said, that's absolutely incredible. I think it's beautiful that you've been sober for 10 years, you know what I'm saying, and some change. I think that that's fucking mad impressive. It's feats out here being accomplished every day that ain't fucking with that. Thank you, sir. You a soldier for that. You're a warrior. Uh, second, man, I'm glad that you were part of the team, you know what I mean? I'm enjoying it. Welcome to With All Due Respect, man. I love that you kicked it raw and unfiltered because that's the code here, man. Got that's to. so impressive. Not man. the funniest story in the world, but uh It's a story needs that needs to be, to be told. told. Yes, sir. A hundred percent, man. Uh, man, so to segue in a weird way, right? Uh, how'd you get into photography, man? Okay, yeah. That's something you do real nasty. My mom got me into photography. We're she change the mood a little was bit. a photographer as in her younger days, okay. uh, in high school and stuff. And then my senior year, we had a photography class we were able to take. Um, I took it the first semester. I 2005, 2006 was when I graduated, so I took it in 05, and got hooked. Uh, that was only black and white film, and we had to develop it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, I, I had to get into digital and everything, and then just loved it. I've always, like I said, I was always into art, creating, and music, and painting, and poetry, and all that shit I had done before. It it was just um, me knowing that I needed to create. I needed to feed this artistic urge right. that I have, but looking for the right medium. Mm-hmm. I, you know, oh, this is good, but no, it doesn't. It's not a hundred percent. Doesn't get me all the way there. And I found photography, and I was like, oh, that's my shit. That's my drug of choice. <laughs> and. Uh, that just over the years, I started to think, you know, this could evolve into me doing video and how would I think about that and stuff. And I, at first, I didn't think I wanted to, but it got to where I was like, that, yeah, really, I don't know. I, it just, it seemed like a natural progression. And, and with this last camera I bought, um, it's just really good at both. So mm-hmm. it seemed, seemed like a natural time to get into it and uh my mom she said she always knew and she she told I, I remember her telling me when i was younger she knew this is what i was gonna end up doing i just i took a long time getting to it, you know little right. detours and stuff but she said she always knew i don't know so yeah i just i i don't make a lot of money doing it yet i'm not worried about it though I'm not really hurting for anything i get to do what i love i get to meet really cool people do really cool things like this stuff that accounting would never let me right the, it's a different never life afford stuff. me that kind of you know i always say the things that we get to do guys like me and you right uh comedy uh photography all these different arts we get that we're blessed with a different lifestyle than a lot of motherfuckers get right we see they, things differently we do we're artists yeah you know what i mean but uh not everybody the accountant doesn't get to go film a cool show or create something like it feels so good mm-hmm. to be able to create our art you know yeah what I mean? and i don't i i wonder if that's something that is in everybody and just they haven't realized it people like the accountant mm-hmm. they haven't Shout out just to the never tried yeah you know that guy uh, they never you know found any artistic thing that they were good at or whatever but maybe like if they did it would like fill something in them do you think maybe it's like in everybody or there's just certain people who can do it I feel like some people I feel like are really good at what they do Mm -hmm. you know and that's in them yeah but I also feel like balance of talent and drive 
I also feel like people operate in different brains, right? I feel like it exists in everybody. Not exists to be great at it. Right. Like, everybody can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, they operate left brain, right brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Some people just don't think or see through the eyes. I agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. Some people, the shit we do is absolutely nuts. Not having a job and shooting podcasts every fucking day. They're like, you're broke. <laughs> you have nothing. Like, get to That's work. one perspective. But then yeah, from us, I, I live with my parents. I don't. I'm broke. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But I also get to do what I love every exactly. day, and I get to spend all my time. You know, my time with the people that I love most in the world. Exactly. I mean, you're gonna tell me that's not success? And that's the thing is, what we're doing is for right here. We're creating here. I never wanted here. my life to be about making money. I love my dad so much, and I don't respect anybody more in this whole world. But growing up, he was always so stressed about money. Mm-hmm. And worried about making money to support his family. He's trying to do right Sucks. by us. It's a tough hole to get and in. And he's still, still like that. And, and I see it, what it does to him sometimes. And I just, I never wanted my life to be about that. Right. And, I it's, mean, that's, it, it doesn't, uh, it does neg- negatively affect my, my game with the ladies. Not having a lot of cash at the splash, but you know. <laughs> it's got a great no, personality. I, Andrew I, Gorgeous. I tell you this all the time. Thank you. This guy He's is fucking supportive as hell. He, Look at my man. Okay, so we're on camera now. I know you guys have seen him for the past two episodes. I keep plugging him up. Look at the drip. Look at how this man looks. He's built well. It's well put together. You know what I mean? If Castro had a crush, you know what I mean? For a male. You know what I mean? Be Kevin Douglas, man. Check him out. YouTube looking ass. Uh, you know I what I'm saying? Appreciate that. Appreciate. But it's what it is, though, man. It's like, like I said, for some people, that's what works. The accountant works. Yeah, it's for them. It's no, what I know possibly... that. Yeah, people like you know, I was talking about my dad. I know that he gets that um, satisfaction out of providing for his family. That's what does it for him. Right. Not everybody's got that drive to create. I guess you know. But for us, that's that's the thing. Yeah, does it for us every day. Yeah, wake up and, and I that's just the only thing that makes us different or special mm-hmm. in any way nothing nothing hard about this nothing hard about what I'm doing filming anybody it. can do it anybody can do it we've talked about that you just have to have the drive and pa- if you, it's not something that's hard there's, to learn there's two things if you got the time and the drive I can teach you how to do it that's the thing there's two things I feel it takes to do exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. step one get the fuck off the couch mm-hmm. you know what I mean step two figure out how the fuck to do it while you're up off the couch or do it in reverse me and blueprint it but a lot of people that blueprint before they get off the couch stay on the couch so that's why I say get off the couch first right. you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. very important then step two figure out how the fuck to do it you yeah. know what I mean learn there's that's all no takes. reason not you don't have to go to film school anymore photography school or uh, broadcasting school everything right. you need to know is on YouTube I went to New York Institute of Photography and I can guarantee you there's I went online Okay, okay, okay. New York Institute of Photography. Um, but there's nothing I learned there that I couldn't learn on YouTube. Right. It's out there. It is. The knowledge is there. The people who have gone to photo school, to video school, have, you know, made videos to teach They're on people YouTube who want to learn. That's, you know, it's various. It's never been more accessible. The information is there. It's such a beautiful time to be a creator. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Everything is at your You got to, it's, yeah, it's very saturated market, so you got to have a niche. You got to have, you got to be good. But uh, that just, you know, helps separate the wheat from the chat. You know, the the stuff you get is going to be even better if, you know, you're only, if 
you're competing with everybody, you're only going to get see the best of it or whatever, then you know you're getting good stuff. Right. I definitely agree with you. Uh, talk to me about uh, this mini doc series, man. Mm, Made Let's in Tulsa. That. Yeah, it's a new project I'm working on, but it's really my first uh, passion project, my first project as a filmmaker mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to do for me, not for somebody else making them a music video or right. filming a podcast or something, which I love doing, all that stuff. But this is the first thing that was my project. Mm-hmm. And it's simple concept. It's I know a lot of artists in different genres, and I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to see them do what they do, how they do it, mm-hmm. where they do it, and um, take people through that process and not like in a big extravagant, you know, just that you know, fifteen minutes maybe of just a little interview with them, some clips of them doing what they do, and uh, maybe one one of them's about a musician, one of them's about a comedian, one mm-hmm. of them's about a glass blower, one of them's about a I don't you know a guy who makes jigsaw puzzles. I don't fucking know anything that you do. Locally, and you're creating. If you're, uh, if you're good on sewing machine, if you're fucking, you know, making leather stuff, if you're podcasting, mm-hmm. I want to know about it. I want to make a doc. I want to show the world. What I love about this mini doc series is you're creating another platform for people to to get the light shine on. My, I Hopefully. am a firm believer that people deserve this. You know what I mean? If Absolutely. you're a creator, you're trying your hardest to do something like you're giving them that space. You know what I mean? And I think that that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, my question for you, though, is yes, sir. is why? why? Why do you want to give them this platform? What is it for you uh, that, that's pushing you to do this for them? You know what I mean? I know you said it's for I, you. I, uh, you know, I, I, I think it would have been really cool if somebody had done this for me, mm. for one, or, but um, the water thing, that's cool. Fucking uh, background noise. <laughs> It's cool run with all the respect it has. Let's see why. That's that's a good question. I honestly just want. I have that drive to create. Mm-hmm. I'm into video. I'm thinking. I need. What can I do? What can I create? Um, what can I put out there? And it didn't matter what it was. It was going to be any good idea. Any idea I landed on that I fleshed out and thought was good enough. But the why that I wanted to create something at all, legacy, I guess. I, isn't that why we all do everything? Mm. We, I mean, I when I die, nobody's going to... I don't have kids or family or things like that. And I, this is like, I don't think it's consciously why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you, I've thought about this. You know, I've done... When deep dive, you know, in my own little... Uh, when you rabbit hole, yeah, you know, when, into yourself, just <laughs> thinking things over. But uh, I, I think it—that's what it's about. Just leaving something behind that people could say, Kevin did that. Mm. Yeah, or, or just even like, oh, what's his name did that, and it just—I mean, I don't know. And it sounds silly saying it out loud. Not at all. But um, I mean, is that's that's probably the core of it, honestly. But really, it's just—I mean, it's a drive to create. And I just came up with an idea that I thought was not only decent, it's a good idea, but it was something that was like Mm self-sustaining. I could keep doing that forever. I just have like, I'm doing the first episode about you. Introduce me to an artist. True indeed. You know musicians. You introduce me to him. 
he introduces me to the next guy. And there's no deadline on these. These are mine. Itself. If it takes if it takes uh, six months to put out the next mm-hmm. one, then it, that's what it takes. I think that's incredible, uh, man. It's something that's going to keep going. If you it, want it to keep going. As long as I want it to, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of potential in this project. You know, that's why when I first heard about it, I jumped on. I think I reached out to you. You had reached out to my girl first, I think. Joe Miller, shout out to She the hosted that first show. Yeah. Bar 46. Yep. Everything traces back to Bar 46. Yes, sir. Which is really cool because uh, Kevin Smith has a number that he goes back to, 37 Dicks. Shout out to my Clerks mm. fans. Y'all might not know, but Bar 46 It's going to keep going back to the 46 for me. But uh, I'm goofy as hell, man. I don't even know why y'all rock with me. But uh, I love it, man. I uh, I think it's cool. It's something that can keep going if you want it to. Sure. You know what I mean? It's dope. I'm happy to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? So You've been great, first. man. Everybody I've been working with so far, you and... I grew up with a guy, Alex. He's going by A Slate, I think. Check him out. Check his stuff out on Spotify, YouTube. I think he's got some stuff up there. This guy, he creates a new song every day. He makes a beat, and 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 you know, That's crazy. they. I'm sure they're all not, you know number one hits or whatever but there's some good shit out there and just the fact that he's doing that every day that's awesome so he's he's the other guy I'm working with right now he's gonna be after you mm-hmm. um, so yeah I don't remember why did I start talking about that <laughs> I think that's incredible when somebody can do something on every single day right they wake up when it comes to creation you're testing that muscle you know what I mean pushing it yeah because it's hard to like inspiration if you're not feeling inspired, man, it's it hard to lot. create. It it's takes a lot. not like a switch you can just, well... I've had days where I've hated doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, where I didn't want to fucking podcast with anybody. I didn't want to talk. I've had moments where I've been bored. You know what I mean? Listening to people. Hearing the same old story. It's not their fault. Yeah. It's I've done it daily. It takes a lot. You know what I mean? To work past that stage of boredom and be like, no, I got to keep going. You yeah. know, it's like working out. You're if, constantly if you're not feeling muscle. it, yes, it, it, you got to make yourself. A lot of days you're not going to want to work out if that, if you're in a fitness routine or whatever. You know? but I feel you like gotta, it's preparing you for what's coming, though. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, if you want to stick with it, I mean, then you got to, you know that, oh, I woke up, woke up tired and sore or whatever, but, you know, I still have got to do my thing. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just perseverance, you know. I definitely agree, man. Uh, we're sitting 45 in. We have some other things planned. Yeah. You know what you I wanna, mean? I, I don't know if you guys uh, have noticed. Castro was uh, a big fan of my beard, and he was I hoping like I could help. It's beautiful. I guess, hoping that uh, I could clean his up a little bit and uh, maybe give him a little bit of a haircut and stuff while we chat. And so, right. uh, so the first time ever, you know what I mean? Uh, live. On with all due respect. Uh, for you audio listeners, this may be a little weird for you guys, but for you guys watching, uh, I'm gonna let Kevin uh, kind of manscape me. Is that what, what it would be? Sure. Like? Well, manscaping, manscaping is like pubes. your pubic hair. I don't know, but uh, bro, do you see this? We'll just call it. We'll just say I'm gonna carve you up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let my man trim me up. You know what I mean? Get my I'm no expert, by the way. I'm not a professional though. or what. I've been cutting my hair for about a year and doing my beard for you know. I'm pretty sure I was born with it. I'm, I'm lying. Gorgeous, gorgeous. <laughs> but I've been doing it for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to see what I can do with him here. Let's do it. So, we're going to go ahead and we're going to break for a second. I didn't Pause this and reset up. I'll, I'll, it's fine. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I can handle it. But uh, we'll be back. 
And for those of you at work or at home listening in your headphones to the audio podcast, man, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode here. Uh, my man Kevin, thank you for rocking with me, brother. Thank you for all the hard work you're doing. It was an absolute privilege to chop it up with you. you my know pleasure, I mean? man. It was fun as always. Most deaf, most deaf. Do you want to plug up anything? Nah, man, just keep checking out the show, and I'll let you guys know what I'm up to. True indeed, true indeed. Uh, you can find the, the video version, where, which is going to continue uh, to go. Uh, obviously, it's a video. Uh, you're going to see me getting shaved. It's going to be great. Watch me get shaved yes, by sir. Kevin Douglas. You know what I'm saying? So you guys can check that out on With All Due Respect Broadcasting. Uh, check me out on Facebook at With All Due Respect Podcast. Uh, Instagram at With All Due Respect 001. Twitch at WADR underscore TV. Uh, this has been the With All Due Respect podcast where we express our truest thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And for those of you that don't like it, with all due respect, fuck you. And we out. And we're back here at WADR Studios, man. Explain to y'all what's finna go down. My man Kevin Douglas finna uh, get me looking pretty like him with the beard and things. And he's probably gonna cut my hair too. So I'm really nervous. I'm excited to see what happens, though. Uh, baby, I hope you still love me after this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we in the mix. Let's go. But, uh, looking like a naked mole rat. I hope I look gorgeous. <laughs> so, uh, when did you start taking care of your beard? You know what I mean? Like making it well, look all spiffy and things. I have been trying to have one for several years now. Mm-hmm. And I'm 33. My cheeks couldn't really come in until I was about 30. Um... But I've been taking care of it for about, yeah, the past two or three years. Really learning about um, beard oil and conditioning and uh, mm-hmm. how to keep things trimmed up and uh, everything like that. So I want to keep most of this length up here in the bottom and up front. And I'm going to taper the sides, taper that down into this length so it'll get longer as we move this way, basically what I'm doing here. Okay. And since your cheeks aren't real strong, I think the best thing to do would be take them down and just work with um, what we got the strong parts on, the jawline. To sculpt that out. Yeah, basically take you down here like a chin strap. How would you feel about that? That sounds dope. All right. Let's do that, and then we'll fade it to the longer in the front. Just make me gorgeous. Yes, sir. That's very important. You know what I mean? What uh, what kind of tips do you got for people that uh want to grow beards? Oh man, you gotta use beard oil or beard balm or something because is there a certain beard oil you use? It's fuck. It's pubes on your face, man. It's it's wiry ass hair, and you need something to keep it soft and conditioned. You know. Right. Yeah, I use a beard brand myself. Um, they're a little expensive, but it's all natural. And um, they're big into, on YouTube, they got a channel where they will teach you about how to take care of your beard and stuff like that. They're basically the ones that taught me how to do it. So I guess I got a little brand loyalty there. Most deaf. But, yeah, my dad never really had a beard or anything. So I didn't really learn from him. Didn't. I have a uh, cousin who I think of like a brother, but never had a big brother or anything. So. Show me the ropes. But yeah, man, you got to have, without beard oil or beard balm, some kind of conditioning. It's just face pubes. Right, right. Wiry and stiff, and it can't even hurt. You ever just like, feels like your beard hurts your face? It goes in my mouth a lot. I get a lot of. Oh, like the mustache? In my mouth. Yeah. 
It's a big thing. I hate that shit. I feel like Joe Rogan is a beard guy without having a beard, right? Like he seems like the type of man that would have a beard. He's he's got a beard. He could pull it off. 